Hello and welcome to the Stanix podcast. I'm your host, Dennis, and today, like always, I'm here with Leo. Hi, everyone. It's nice to be back. So, uh, this time we won't lose any time talking about what we have done the last few months uh, where we disappeared, but we'll go right into talking about how to learn your first handstand push-up. Handstand push-up is probably one of the skills that uh, is in everybody's training plan, at least uh, of our clients, and one of the most ambitious uh, goals for beginners and intermediates in the calisthenics world. And it's one of the skills that's probably uh, possible to reach for almost everybody. So it's quite accessible, it looks impressive, and it is a combination of balance and strength, uh, which is uh, quite nice. So Leo, um, how would you start training for the handstand push-up? So what do you think are the basic requisites before I I can say, okay, I want to I wanna learn the handstand push-up, and you're like, what, what do I need? Like, how strong do I have to be to learn it? Okay, so of course, but uh, I think that uh, everyone can can, can come uh, along along to this conclusion. The first thing is to have a solid handstand. So uh, we talked about uh, about how to reach a solid and uh, nicely looking handstand in a, in one of our previous podcasts. So for that topic, you can check it out. <coughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, I would suggest to have, I would say, at least uh, 15 to 20 seconds of a very solid handstand and uh, a handstand that does not require uh, a lot of attempts to, to reach. So if, uh, okay, if you're able maybe to, to hold a handstand for 15 seconds, but in order to do that, you need uh, five to 10 attempts, then uh, you are, I think you are still not 100% uh, ready for the handstand push-up because you still need to focus a lot on, uh, on the balance. For what, uh, for what regards the line, uh, we, as, as we talked uh, in, uh, in the handstand podcast, in the handstand episode, it's not that important to have uh, a line which is the same uh, as a hand balancer would do, but uh, it's important to have at least uh, at least to not to, to respect the basic uh, activations of a handstand, which are posterior pelvic tilt and shoulder elevation, and uh, a good uh, alignment through the shoulders, hips, and uh, feet. For what regards strength. Uh, if we are talking about the free handstand push-up on floor, I would say that uh, first we need to uh, develop at least a decent amount of pike, uh, pike push-ups uh, on floor with uh, elevated feet, so not feet on the ground, which are which usually it's a pretty easy exercise after a couple of months of training, but at least with feet uh, elevated. And by elevated, we all usually mean like one meter away from the floor, maybe something less than that. Knee height usually works quite well as a standard for most, depending on how good you're at compression. Yes, and when we refer to knee height, it's referred uh, to the height of the knees when standing in a normal resting uh, uh, position. 
and uh, yes i don't think there is an exact number but i mean if you're not able to do that then uh pipe push-ups uh in that manner uh i think it doesn't make too much sense to to try a free handstand push-up do you want to add something uh yeah say? i think maybe um working on belly to wall handstand push-up and that they like that you could at least do one rep very well for sure is uh is a good requirement before starting to do them uh freestanding so that you feel comfortable to do two to three reps with belly to wall um they look nice and you manage to keep up a posterior pelvic tilt while doing so maybe even with a pause at the bottom um usually a good requisites to start working on the handstand push-up itself um but as we will talk later it's as when we start working with the handsome push-up itself, I wouldn't um, just do that, but I would keep working on uh, pike push-ups, for example, to, to keep working on them. So um, let's maybe wrap it up and uh, shortly say to start working on the, on the handsome push-up itself, it's important that you build up a good amount of shoulder strength. So uh, the first thing you would do by like to, to work on your shoulder strength are probably pike push-ups on the floor. Once these work, you can uh, go and start working on the pike push-ups with elevated feet on knee height. Um, you can do those weighted, so we stay in a bit of a lower rep range, uh, which is more specific to the work that we want to do uh, later on in the handsome push-up. Not gonna work on 10 plus reps on handsome push-up in the beginning, but the first attempts you will do will be singles. So it's good to keep a bit of a lower rep range. Um, if you want to work on those specifically for the handstand push-up, if you just want to build muscle, of course, you can do more reps. Um, and what we like to do in our coaching, and uh, I think we're probably the only ones who really started doing them and it's become more and more common with time, are weighted pike push-ups. Uh, we like to load them, uh, which makes it way easier to progress uh, compared to reps or uh, directly going from um, elevated pike push-ups to belly to wall uh, push-ups. So they give more time to, to get stronger. And even after that, when people are starting to get their first hands and push-up, doing them weighted with a lot of weight to specifically help um, really develop strength in that uh, range of motion, they, they, they have been or they have shown uh, for our clients to be quite useful. Uh, of course, there's not a lot of data on that, but uh, the experience we made, um, they work very, very well. Of course, you can build shoulder strength by doing other exercises like military press or anterior delt press or anterior delt raises, things like that. They all work and you have to see what is most comfortable for you and what works best for you. Um, but our advice would be um, try to use this variation, try to use it in the normal range of motion and try to use it in the full range of motion meaning with higher parallels and going deeper so you can already start to get ready for the deep handstand push-up while you're still working on your normal handstand push-up so usually in our clients after they reach the first handstand push-up on the floor the way to learn the deep handstand push-up is very very short uh, so most of them get a deep handstand push-up in quite a short time because they have been working on the full range of motion since the first days. Uh, they can do elevated pike push-ups in full range of motion. 
So I think that sums it up as like the package that you need uh, before working or thinking about working on, on the real handstand push-up. Of course, with uh, balance in the handstand. Do you have anything to add to that? Yes, uh, so uh, yes, maybe it's pretty difficult to say, uh, as uh, you probably heard, uh, to, to give an exact number for what regards the pipe push-up. So maybe we uh, a better indicator would be, so just uh, once you are able to do two to three belly to walk handstand push-ups with uh, perfect form, then you're probably ready to, to train the free handstand push-up. So, and of course, in order to do that, the fastest way is to do the pipe push-up. So this is why we mentioned uh, the pipe push-ups in uh, in the first place and the reason because we cannot quantify exactly the amount of numbers and everything it's because it's um, it's very subjective uh, we have uh, clients but because it depends a lot on how much uh, on how much the the pipe push-up it's assisted because uh, everyone has different anatomy biomechanics and everything so someone it's uh, scaling more or less way depending on how it's positioned and uh, and everything and that's impossible to quantify so i can uh, we have a client for example which is probably the strongest uh, one of the strongest with pike uh, handstand push-ups full run but it's uh, struggling a lot with the free handstand push-up even he if he has uh, a lot of balance in the handstand so it's impossible to give a number for the pike push-ups but i would say so train them uh, in order to reach two to three reps, belly to wall, and then you are ready to go 100% with the free ones. And uh, another thing that uh, I would like uh, to add for the pike push-ups is that there is uh, it's that the the reason why we are using them it's because it's the uh, movement that mimics the most uh, the free handstand push-up so uh, a lot of times uh, people ask us why not use the if the military press it's okay if uh, i don't know what else dumbbell military press it's okay maybe even some uh, gym machines are okay to develop the strength and i would say probably yes but in this case since it's uh, the, the pike push-up in fact it's very very similar to the free handstand push-up i think that the the starting point should be to train them and then if you see that you're not progressing at all uh, you are stagnating after some months you can also and you are and you still didn't reach uh, the belly to wall uh, handstand push-up then you can think about uh, military press and yes these other exercises but also consider that as Dennis uh, as Dennis said uh, there are a lot of variation uh, in the pike push-ups themselves so with low P bars with full range of motion and that kind of thing so yes we usually uh, program with uh, at least what I do with my client is to as soon they are they are able to uh, do six seven pike push-ups uh, with hands on floor, then we start immediately with the pike push-ups full arm, and I usually prefer the pike push-ups full arm because the, because it's usually a process. So uh, who wants to learn the free handstand push-up usually wants to learn also the full arm handstand push-up, and also by doing them full arm, we can probably benefit from some more uh, muscle size in the interested uh, muscles. So yes, that's absolutely. <laughs> How many times a week uh, would you train um, bike push-ups? Let's say I am I am 
um, an athlete, I can already hold a good handstand. I um, can already do some uh, full range of motion, um, pike push-ups, let's say six, five to six is maybe my max. And uh, I want to learn the, 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 hands, the, the handstand push-up, but I'm still not able to do a belly to wall handstand push-up. So how many times a week would you train um, would you train the pike push-ups and uh, how much volume would you do for the shoulders? Okay, so uh, it depends a lot, of course, uh, as always on the goals of the client, because if the client is also training for the planche, for example, that's all volume that counts uh, for the shoulders, so we cannot just add an infinite amount of sets. But yes, as I would say that in general, if we're training for a handstand push-up, it's also training for the planche. So in that case, uh, I always allocate the volume for the planche uh, because there you need to do specific work and from there uh, I see what we can do for uh, for pipe push-ups and in this case usually I start with 8 to 10 sets per week uh, split it in two sessions so this is how I usually start given that I mean given that the client has the time to do that and uh, yes that there are no other other constraints and uh, yes and on the other side if we are not training planche uh, probably I start from 10 to 12 sets per week but that depends also on, on, the, uh, on the number of repetitions that the client is able to do so for example if he is able to do just three repetitions of pipe push-ups then I try to decrease uh, I decrease a lot of the amount of reps but then the sets come uh, come up in order to get some more volume in and uh, so that's in general from eight to 12 sets two times per week uh, i would say from rp7 to rp9 depending on the period and everything and uh, then usually two to six sets of accessory work to build some muscle and that depends a lot of that on uh, on the thing so for example if the athlete is not training planche uh, if uh, it's not that important that he is not fatigued uh, for the next training session, then maybe I, I add some more sets. And also if uh, I see that the athlete is lacking for what regards anterior valve development, then I use more sets. And uh, yeah, so eight to 12 sets, direct work, pike push-ups, and then I would say two to six sets of uh, accessory work with uh, other exercises that have a good stimulus to fatigue ratio so for example anterior delt raises and uh, yes you can also use gyms machines but i mean usually it's not required i mean i never had uh, the necessity to do so without a client but for example if a client is suffering for pain shoulder in every movement beside uh, using a gym machine which which i mean it's a very rare thing i've never seen that then you can also use a gym machine so the the, the goal of the accessories should be to uh, gain muscle mass or if the client it's already has already uh, a good muscle mass for what regards the anterior delts then a fewer amount of sets so like the, the lower range so two sets just to maintain that muscle mass and that's it so this is how i would start with uh, with the strength work and then of course uh once you're ready for the belly to walk and push up, you can try, uh, you can insert five, six, up to eight sets, I would say, per week of technical work, but I wouldn't really count them as, 
real working cell because usually uh, they are not uh, that fatiguing so they are inserted with buffer and they are there for technique of course they will contribute a little bit to to the overall volume but yes i, I don't think that that sets count counts yeah. uh, count equally and the, the best thing to do uh, in fact it's just see if you are recovering from from session to session and then you can adapt so always start a little bit more conservative uh, unless you're a very experienced coach and then and uh, you can always uh, uh, high uh, aument add more the volume. Yeah. yeah add more add more volume to to what you're doing yeah um with the i think like with the handsome push-up since uh, balance plays a big role once you do have the strength to do so and the pike push-ups are going well you're doing uh, like uh, Pike push-ups with uh, three times four, for example, with five, seven, ten kgs. So you're getting strong at them, and um, we start with the first attempts on with belly to wall, uh, maybe negatives in the beginning. Um, there you really see if the the client. You usually see it when they learn the handstand, how um, good they're in balancing. A thing that you never have to forget in the handstand push-up is that balance plays an enormous role. Um, and that it's not pure strength and it's a new range of motion where you have to find balance, uh, where you have to understand where your body is in, in, in space and you have to understand where you're going and how to go, go up again. So there's, there's clients that are, as you said before, extremely strong in shoulders, like the military press 90 kgs and they have extremely strong pike pushups, but they have such problems and they have a good handstand, but they have such problems knowing where they are while they're going down, for example, in the negative, that for people like that, you will do less work for the shoulders because they, you know they're strong enough, but you will do more technical work where uh, they really focus on, uh, first of all, belly to walls, negative, understanding the path, understanding, always doing the same path over and over and over again, maybe just the negatives and then the positives too, but they're not as important for, for men in the beginning, especially. And once they, they get that, they can start with free, uh, free handstand push-up negatives. Never forget uh, when balance is into play, uh, no perfect plan exists, so to say, they generally never exist, but um, the more balance is into play, the less you can predict how quickly somebody's going to learn it. If somebody has an extremely good feeling for balance, he has reached a certain amount of strength, the handsome push-up is going to be easy as hell. Um, we have a client that in just a few months, like went from holding no handstand, have not being able to do one, uh, one elevated um, pike push-up to um, doing a handstand push-up just by trying like a few times during the tests because like he learned to handstand in two weeks uh, and found balance right away. And then I was like, your shoulder, and we worked on shoulder strengths the months before. He was improving quite click quickly. I told him, when you do the belly to wall handstand push up, try to push yourself up without touching the wall. And he just did. And that's something that usually doesn't happen. But like as a coach, if you have enough experience, you've seen enough people, you will know if, uh, if that's going to work, yes or no, or how quickly that's going to work. Um, so there, uh, in the second phase of learning the handset push-up, balance becomes extremely important if you already worked on the strength, which, which you should have before you start working on negatives. 
and once the negatives are extremely solid the path is always the same you can pause at the bottom and your pike push-ups go keep going up uh, in weight for example you can start uh, pushing up and the pushing up is really a work of attempts honestly there uh, we we tell the client for example uh, they do in the beginning maybe eight sets a week or something like that or maybe they work on negative 90 percent of the time but they have one or two attempts uh, for two sessions per week or two to four attempts two sessions per week to try to push themselves up so they understand what they need to do with the feet while they push up and what i usually do in the beginning is tell to throw the feet backwards so that's the first uh first feedback i give them so they don't fall just back like this which is the tendency once you only do negatives you will always fall on the part of the feet and here you have to learn to throw your feet back as a first thing so that doesn't happen and then with time you can clean up the hands and push up very rarely it's clean from the beginning um, and here it's a lot of trying and if you see that the volume they're doing they're improving week by week and they're getting more consistent uh, it means that you're doing the right thing if they're not maybe more technical work is required yes uh, uh, I think that maybe we can give uh, even a, a practical example so uh, what is refer uh, in order to, to, to make everything clear what is what um, I was explaining before for what regards programming was referred to uh, someone uh, who is still not able to do belly to wall handstand push-ups. So once you're able to do a clean belly to wall handstand push-ups, you have reached the two to three, then like Dennis said, it's time to, to insert uh, the centrics. Okay. And uh, what I usually do is to insert, I would say six to 10 eccentrics uh, sets per week. And by centric, I, I usually mean uh, uh, a repetition, uh, one repetition of five to eight uh, seconds with or without poses in the bottom position. So I usually like to insert uh, the poses almost immediately unless I see that uh, it's too much to focus on for, for the client, but for almost everyone, once they have a, a very good strength, they can also focus on, on the pose in the bottom position. I mean, not for, for almost everyone, but for, for a lot of people. And uh, so let's say that we have two pike push-ups, uh, two sessions of pike push-ups um, per week, and we have three uh, sessions where we we train. So uh, what I would do is to insert uh, three sets of eccentric uh, before the, the pike push-ups itself uh, on each day, or maybe on just one day, depending on what we're doing. Use them as a warm-up for the pike push-ups, and uh, the other day. Uh, which usually it's a lighter day where we don't get as fatigued, just uh, also two to three to four uh, sets of, uh, of eccentric. So the reason uh, someone can think that eccentrics are very stressful and everything, but uh, remember always that we are talking about someone that already has the strength to, to control uh, three belly to wall handstand push-ups. So for him, doing one set of eccentric is just practice of technique. It's not uh, fatiguing. It can be fatiguing, but really not not that much. So if you if you think about it, the range of motion, it's not that much, and the strength, it's it's already there. So 
usually it's it counts as volume and everything but it's not that fatigue so uh, yes because there is the conception that you have to someone uh, thinks that they can learn the handstand push-up just by doing eccentrics even if they don't have the strength so we are using eccentrics once the strength it's already there because it's just to practice uh, technique so this is the structure that i would use that usually i use them of course it depends a lot of how many times a week the client is training and everything but i think that that is a good starting point and maybe one of these three days can be uh, a variation so uh, once uh, you have more control you can pose maybe immediately after bending the arm and uh, such kind of variations and then from there once you are you have the centric it's just a matter of inserting uh, the attempts and one one more thing of if you are fatigued if you don't have that much time to train uh, you can once you are able to control the centrics and everything you can reduce a little bit the volume on pike on pike push-ups i think but i would never uh, remove them at least in the first months where you and, and until you don't learn the the free handstand push-up exactly i think for many people, I like to keep them even if they, they're starting to get the first deep handstand push-ups and then depending on the goal and how much they or what level they have on other skills, uh, depending on the shoulder volume they do, like I will do more there or not. Uh, to take my training plan as an example, I've been always extremely strong in shoulders and I do, I think, uh, six to eight sets a week of weighted handstand push-ups, uh, full ROM, uh and uh, one day is just at rp7 and the other day is a tiny bit more intense and that's it and that's everything i need to do because most of the exercises i still do they kind of hit the front delt somehow and uh and it's getting enough work and i see i'm improving so that is more than enough but that's something you see with time and with clients with time the pike push-ups get removed if they can do the volume on free hands and push-ups, for example, and they're extremely consistent at them and they enjoy them. And then you can start working on weighted hands and push-up or on 90 degree hands and push-ups, uh, depending on the goals. Um, if they want to reach more, more reps first, or if they want to directly work on the 90 degree, um, or if they want to go for weighted hands and push-ups. So these are things we could talk about in another podcast, if you're interested. Uh, they're a tiny bit more advanced and for more advanced athletes we're trying to bring uh, content for everyone so i think hands and push-up is accessible for everyone so everyone um, can listen to this and have a general structure on how to start training for it without just going there and trying hands and push-ups like uh, we did or at least i did uh, when learning it i just uh, did like hundreds of hands and back to wall hands and push-ups and then I kind of tried to press myself uh, from the ground and then I kind of got it somehow um, banana as hell, even more banana than it's now. So um, with, with this method, you will, you will get it. So yes, maybe I think that we, uh, you should, uh, you could uh, uh, focus, uh, uh, you could also explain a, a little bit the technique of a perfect handstand push-up because we we gave it for for granted but uh, yes the handstand push-up it's subject to sure. uh to very uh wrong techniques and it can make a huge difference if the technique is correct or not 
Yeah, so the perfect handstand push-up looks like this. You start from a beautiful handstand, with elevated shoulders to draw shoulder blades or slightly protracted, a posterior pelvic tilt, glutes engaged, abs engaged, quads engaged, uh, feet pointed if you really want to make it elegant. And when lowering yourself, you don't arch the back. And that's the most important thing, that you keep your core tight, you keep a posterior pelvic tilt, and it's the most difficult part of the handstand push-up. Usually, people can go down a negative beautifully, but as soon as they press up, they throw their feet back and they arch the back, which is good and nice in the beginning, especially to get the movement and understand the movement and get the balance. But with time, when you're strong enough, you should maintain um, a posterior pelvic tilt and core tension while pressing yourself up. Um, and the body always stays in line. Like you don't break the line, you go down in a nice 45 degree angle usually, and then you go up exactly the same way as you went down. Um, and at, you end the movement by pushing the chest into the handstand line. So that is um, how a beautiful handstand push-up looks like. And the compensations, as said before, are arching back, relaxing glutes, throwing your feet back, uh, opening your chest too much at the bottom and pressing, um, not using your front delt, but pressing, uh, using your chest a tiny bit more. So there's many ways you can cheat on the handstand push-up. That's why it's very, very difficult to like uh, have competitions or try to have very objective standards because it kind of looks different for everybody. Um, like Leo, for example, has a beautiful handstand and extremely strong posterior pelvic tilt. He tends to even lower his feet in even stronger PPT, uh, which makes the, the leverage harder and the handstand push-up harder. Um, and for me, for example, I can go down well, press up well, but at the end, I don't have the mobility to hold a beautiful handstand, meaning my like I end up in a banana anyway. It's not lack of strength, then it's purely lack of uh, activations and mobility mostly. Um, and you could say that one's not valid. So yeah, yes. I think another. I think uh, we can also mention the fact that uh, a lot of people it's uh, doing them wrong because uh, they are thinking about going with the head in between the hands. Instead, they should think about going a little bit forward with the head and create uh, a nice triangle delimited by head and the hand. So not in between, but for so if you go with the head in between. The hands, even if you don't want to, you need to, to arch your lower back because otherwise it's impossible to, to maintain balance. And another thing, so yes, also, uh, so uh, round, so banana handstand push-ups are still very uh, diffused. I also saw some famous uh, people on Instagram promoting them as a better version of free handstand push-ups, of, of the normal ones. So yes, I didn't really understand uh, the reasons but uh, guys it's very easy to spot if you if you are able to put your ego aside and you record yourself while doing them you will almost immediately notice if you are doing a, a banana handstand push-ups or not or a banana handstand push-up or not just uh, look at your lower back <laughs> and that's it so would you like to add something else um maybe to the angle uh like a last point because I think the, the meeting's gonna stop in a second. Um, when you go down, um, a thing you can look for when you film yourself is the, the elbow angle. Um, there is a tendency, so who's seeing this on YouTube will see it, 
some people bring their elbow back and it becomes more tricep heavy and it leads to elbow pain uh, very commonly. Um, so try to lean forward enough, but do not lean too much forward, otherwise you will open the chest. So these are the two things you can look out for when performing a handstand push-up and the two things that could leave, uh, lead to certain pains when doing so. Uh, usually when clients come and they say, I have elbow pain in handstand push-ups, changing the angle in which they work usually solves the problems for uh, most people. Of course, that's extremely generalized, uh, but we've seen it often enough. Um, I think that concludes the handsome push-up episode. Um, I think it's a, like, a very cool skill that many people will learn, and there's so much wrong information out there that we might do a YouTube video only for the handsome push-up, if you're interested in it, uh, since I think we have like over... 40, 30 clients uh, that can handstand push-up right now. We have some of the strongest uh, weighted handstand push-ups in the world in our coaching. Uh, I think um, we can give you some good information on them if you're interested. I would have uh, another two uh, very quick and small tips, I think. Yeah. So uh, the first one, I don't know if you mentioned it, uh, if you explained it, uh, I can't recall, but uh, it's a programming tip. So when programming, uh, the eccentrics and the free handstand push-ups uh, we usually give I mean we give an exact mm -hmm. amount of sets but we also give uh, a, num a maximum number of attempts that uh, mm -hmm. that we can try and and usually to do that it's uh, the, the maximum number of attempts it's the the number of sets plus two to three more sets so let's say uh, the client has to do a three by one, we limit the number of attempts to five to six. And this is because uh, for a very technical skill, like the handstand push-up, you can have really bad days. And uh, maybe uh, on these sessions, you don't have any balance at all. Everything fails off. And uh, this is to prevent uh, the athlete uh, to demotivate himself, to go too heavy and to fatigue too much. So maybe it's not your day, you have a three by one and then you spend two hours in trying to complete that. So you just fatigue yourself, uh, you just, uh, fatigue yourself without any reason and you risk to not complete the rest of your training plan. And uh, you also risk to, to go home very, very sad and we don't want that. And, and the uh, next day, in the next day session or the day two days after is not going to be that great either. And like it kind of drags on for weeks. So Yeah. So also here, uh, put your ego aside, give your maximum number of attempts. The important thing uh, is that you get better on average, not to uh, be perfect on every session. So it's impossible to be better and better and better in a such technical skill in every session. And everyone who trains a, a very technical sport uh, knows that. And uh, the other thing, uh, a technique tip, I mean, uh, I think it's, uh, uh, it's probably we don't have to go over it, but uh, the head position. So in a True, handstand push-up, in a freehand stand, uh, a perfectly looking freehand stand, usually it's suggested to keep your neck aligned. So you have to look, uh, I mean, your neck neutral. So you will look behind yourself. It's it's okay to say behind yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. 
but uh, it's not feasible to do a handstand push-up with uh, with the neck in that position. So to do the handstand push-up, you will need to extend a little bit your neck in order to look down toward the floor with your eyes yeah. and to have a point of reference. And uh, this sometimes uh, can lead to a slightly deterioration of uh, of the handstand line but it's not a big deal so it's the only way to to really do handstand push-up so i think that probably if you really train a lot you can manage to do a handstand push-up like with neutral neck but i really don't see the point yeah. and i've never seen someone doing them like, like that to sure I, I feel like, um, and one thing I like to tell my clients from the beginning is even when they just do pike push-ups, to keep looking at a certain spot uh, where they want to touch with the nose at the right angle, even when they push up. If you probably film yourself, you will notice that automatically the moment you push up, you will tuck your head in. If you do that in the handsome push-up, you will fall 100% sure. So get used to always looking at a certain spot, especially when you do the negatives. So when you push up, it doesn't come to you automatically to tuck your head in because you're gonna fall every single time. So teach yourself early to always look at a certain spot. And when you push yourself up, always look at that spot and you will notice that it's way easier to keep balance that way. And you push yourself up in a better angle and it just looks better generally. So best, best tips at the end, you gotta listen to the whole podcast. Well, I think that was it for today. Uh, today, no promises for when the next one's gonna <laughs> when it's gonna be online uh, before we disappear again. Um, so I hope you enjoyed the episode. Uh, tell us if you would like um, some hands and push-up videos uh, on YouTube. We are posting shorts very regularly now, and there's many technique tics, uh, tips in there. So save and like those uh, for later. And we will start doing a bit of shorter uh, YouTube videos compared to the big case studies that take extremely long time to, um, to prepare and find everything, um, like bring all the data together, edit, etc., etc. So a bit quicker videos um, that can be useful for you for easy skills, basic skills, and if you're interested, then for more advanced skills. Well, that was it from our side. Have a great um... day. And also let us know in the comments if you have some uh, topics that you would exactly. like us to cover. That would be really uh, appreciated. So yes, also from my side, that's all. Peace out. <laughs>